Welcome to Third Church's T3 Family Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to T3 Family Podcasts. We are in a three-part series about making our living spaces into holy places, and we're going to continue with that series next time. But for today, we have a special edition that I am so excited to share this with you, our listeners. October is a big month. It's an awareness month of sensory processing, and I have a very special guest here today who is going to be helping us unpack and learn more about that. So Elise Sprunk, so excited that you are here today. Would you mind just taking a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. So yeah, I'm Elise Sprunk, and um, by trade, I'm an occupational therapist at Kinetic Edge Physical Therapy in Pella and Oskaloosa. Those are the two clinics I'm at. I'm also a wife and a mother of two boys who are 16 and 13. And yeah, I became passionate about sensory processing when my Um, oldest was in his twos and threes. And there were a lot of behaviors that go on at age two and three. (laughs) And, um, you know, it just became apparent to me that there were a lot of um, his responses to his environment and things that were going on around him. And that's how I became passionate about helping other parents um, in that journey and helping them kind of navigate what that, you know, sensory processing can do uh, for a child. So, yeah. Awesome. I didn't realize that was kind of your first step into uh, sensory processing and your work with that. Yeah. So I had um, started working with kids um, about, yeah, right when Bennett turned two. And, you know, as I started working with other people's children and then started, you know, having more um, things kind of go on with my own, yeah, <laughs> my own children, you know, I just think then your level of empathy increases and, you know, as you're trying to figure out, well, why, why did he react this way in this situation, but he doesn't respond that way in, you know, another situation, it just, it was kind of a mystery to me. And I love studying the brain and um, had gone to a class and was like, oh my goodness, this can be so helpful, not only for other people's kids, but also for, you know, my own. And yeah, I think that just added a layer of, you know, compassion for me. And yeah, (laughs) so. That's great. I bet when you started probably, am I right, a little over a decade ago then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's 16. So 14 years ago. So I've been working with kids for 14 years. Yep. (laughs) Okay. And you've probably seen some progress. Uh, I'm I'm putting words into your mouth, but as far as now, there's a a month dedicated to it and there's there's more light that's been shown, more research around it. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I get asked all the time about different diagnoses, like, you know, is there just that many more kids who, you know, have ADHD now than there were, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it might be? And I really think that part of it is, A, we're better at diagnosing things, <laughs> um, but B, there's just so much more knowledge out there. And I think a lot of times it used to be back in the day that kids were probably just labeled, you know, naughty or, yeah. you know, just different labels like that, whereas now we can, you know, really get to the the root of the issue and be able to determine, you know, what's causing some of these behaviors so that we can 
treat them correctly too. You know, whenever you have something go wrong, you need to know why is it going wrong. And if you don't know why it's going wrong, you don't know how to fix it. And so I think that, yeah, there's just a lot more um, valuable information out there. So, yeah. I think I had some awareness of of that. My background uh, prior to ministry was was education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you talk about developmental psychology yep. and um, development age-appropriate uh, responses and, and, and mm-hmm. those kind of things. But one of the first times when my eyes were just open so wide to this was I was in a training that you were leading in children's ministry, mm-hmm. and you walked us through a series of exercises and just situations of what it was like for kids with with different sensory needs mm-hmm. in some of our, quote, mainstream environments. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, it is you know, the intent versus impact. There mm-hmm. was a severe or a, a huge gap between <laughs> yeah. what we thought was made, what the intent was, and the impact that we were having on the heart of um, these children that, that do have these sensory preferences mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So could you just give our listeners a little bit of, um, yeah, what that looks like? What is it like for kiddos with sensory needs mm-hmm. to be in some of our mainstream environments? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the the biggest thing that I always like to point out to parents that I'm working with is that all of us were created with different sensory preferences, you know, and what a beautiful thing that we don't all have the same brain, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, and that we can all experience, you know, really God's world with a different perspective. And so, um, you know, one of the examples I often give is, you know, all of us have probably walked into a room with a friend and, you know, maybe the friend said, boy, it really stinks in here. And you're like, well, I don't smell anything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and you could argue, you know, till you're blue in the face about whether or not there's something that smells, Mm -hmm. but one brain smelled it and one brain didn't. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I think that's, you know, the big take home for all of these um, people who have stronger sensory preferences. You know, a child might um, sit in large group time in children's ministry and you know, most of the kids probably think the volume is just fine. But for a child who has a heightened sense of auditory input mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. can't, you know, handle sound, it seems excruciating, excruciatingly loud in that environment. And so they're going to, you know, handle that situation differently. And sometimes you might see kids who put their hands over their ears because it's too loud. And sometimes you might see a kid who goes into fight, flight, fright. They pop up and they start running around the room and they want to escape. (laughs) And if we didn't recognize that it's not because they're just trying to be disruptive, but it's because the sound that they're experiencing is so, (laughs) you know, um, harsh to them, you know, we could get frustrated by that. And so I think, you know, it's that way with every sense that we look at, you know, sometimes kids can be playing, and there may be roughhousing, wrestling <laughs> with each other. And one child is fine with that. And another child thinks that, you know, the touch that they're experiencing is extremely painful. And as the adult, we could be observing that and thinking, well, 
you know, they're just playing. Yep. It's not that hard. You didn't get hit. You didn't get hit that hard, right? Mm-hmm. And you think that their response doesn't match the action, <laughs> but how their brain is processing that, it was, uh, you know, very painful. And so, um, you know, if you can start looking at situations that way and being able to empathize with the person, with the child, I think it just improves your ability to respond, you know, appropriately to them. So, yeah. And I, I love how you said at the beginning of, of this time too, part of the appropriate response is, you know, that, that child that is in fight, flight, or fright Mm -hmm. mode, you know, in the past maybe would have been labeled as the naughty one mm-hmm. or something yep. when actually they are just going through what their brain is telling right. them to do. Right. They're just responding to, yes, what their brain is. The is input tell- that yeah, their brain absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, you have done so much just to um, teach us and enlighten us here in the ministry. We're so appreciative of of that. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen? And, and I know you've you've been part from building from the ground up of, <laughs> of how Third Church has responded to some of these yeah, needs. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a joy um, to be able to be a part of. Um, walking through this journey and and I think recognizing that all all of God's kids have a place and that we don't want to exclude kids from being able to participate in children's ministry but we also don't want it to become such an anxiety provoking experience yes. that parents worry about dropping their kids off cuz how is my child going to behave and you know kids don't want to go because you know it might not be the environment that they you know thrive in and so to be a part of um the sensory room that we have here at church where kids can have almost a respite <laughs> from yeah. from the regular children's ministry and be able to be um loved on and shown, you know, God's God's love and and the grace that encompasses that has just been a real a real joy and I think, you know, I, we've heard from other parents about how it's even just allowed them to be able to go up into adult worship and be able to really dedicate their whole mind <laughs> to worship Absolutely. versus, you know, having a corner of it occupied with what's happening downstairs. So I think that's just been a really neat um, piece of it. So. Yeah. yeah, and you have helped us select good um, activities and materials so that way those those kiddos that do need to be in the sensory room and kind of, um, yeah, de-excavate, I don't know mm-hmm. what, what you would call it, from yep. what maybe a normal uh, Sunday mm-hmm. morning would look like, um, they, they can go and they can do that. Yeah, you know, be- I think um, really our goal is that they still be able to participate in the parts of children's ministry that are good for them, you know, so sometimes it maybe means that a child just comes out during large group singing, you know, or and then they go back during small group, or maybe, you know, they're there most of the time, but there's a, you know, a time, a Sunday or so that, you know, they need 
a little extra break. And so we have designed the room so that it can be a calming environment. Um, you know, the paint color has been changed so that it's a little more toned down. And, um, you know, we have activities in there that encompass all of the different senses. So there's different ways to move. There's um, different visual activities they can participate in. There's, you know, tactile or fidget activities um, that they can do, um, books that they can look at, and, you know, adults there that love to be with them and um, allow them to, yeah, I think decompress um, and be able to then um, return back into children's ministry too. So, yeah. That's great. So let's say, can we just pretend for a moment mm -hmm. that uh, this is our first conversation around um, sensory, pro sensory preferences. Mm -hmm. um, what it, what would be, what would you tell someone, what is the appropriate way to help someone who does have those strong sensory mm -hmm. preferences? Yep. Um, you know, what's, what's helpful and what's not helpful? What's helpful to say, what's helpful to do versus not, mm -hmm. not helpful? Right. Um, well, being judgmental is definitely not helpful. <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, unless as a parent, you've never had a child who's had a meltdown or a temper tantrum, you probably shouldn't, you know, offer <laughs> judgment. <laughs> and I don't know that there's any parents who can honestly say, nope, I've never had that, um, you know, because that is can be, a, you know, obviously just a part of normal development. Um, yep. So I think, you know, making sure that you understand the whole story and the whole situation before you, you know, jump to a conclusion. Um, sometimes those kids, most often kids need fewer um, verbal language <laughs> coming okay. at them. Mm -hmm. Our um, verbal language is the very most difficult things for our brains to process. And so when a child is having a meltdown, um, trying to talk them out of it is not going to be effective. Okay. It's kind of like if, you know, you came home tonight and you were super stressed out about something and you started to kind of, you know, unload and your husband said, oh, don't worry, Katie, it'll be fine. <laughs> Just calm down, relax. You know? I mean, we laugh yeah, that at that. that would not work in no, my house. No, <laughs> we laugh at that because most of us wouldn't say, oh, yeah, you're right. It isn't a big deal. You mean most of us right. that would escalate it, right? We'd be more frustrated. <laughs> and so, you know, but if you came home and you, you know, spent some time alone, maybe you needed to just, you know, get away, maybe you go for a walk or, you know, exercise or, you know, have something to eat or drink or take a shower or, you know, those are all sensory activities that are going to help your brain um, by releasing, releasing endorphins to it to help calm you down. And so allowing kids that same space and, you know, being able to recognize what sensory um, things they could do that would help release those endorphins and then calm them down. And then later you can maybe talk about it, but not talking about it right in the middle 
right in the middle of it. Um, and, you know, as a go-to, I always tell parents, you know, heavy work, <laughs> deep pressure, um, where you get your joints and muscles working is always a safe go-to because of the physiological response that happens to the brain. So, you know, most of us have experienced if we've, you know, been stressed out about something, we could probably go home and mow the yard or do something physical and feel a lot better, you know, from a brain standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it. My uh, my house might actually be clean then. Right. I mean, exactly. go home, vacuum. <laughs> right. Do something productive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> One thing that you said earlier about the volunteers in the sensory room, I'd mm -hmm. love to loop back on. When I have encountered sensory room volunteers, they are so full of joy and they are just... There is, there is a joy in that room. There's a peace in that mm -hmm. room. God just loves to come next to the people that he's created and, and those who are uniquely created. So that's just what I've seen from the mm -hmm. outside. What have you seen as some of the blessings of investing in these ministries that these ministries that deal with sensory mm -hmm. um, awareness or these relationships? Yeah. So it's been an absolute joy for me as well, just because my boys come with me to the sensory room. So it's been super fun to see, you know, their interactions and they love serving there. Um, and I would say, you know, the same about the other volunteers. And I think at first, maybe it can be a little intimidating. Like, do I have to have some sort of special degree in order to be able to serve in this room? And do, you know, what do I have to know to, to be in here? And honestly, you just have to love kids. <laughs> and, you know, I think um, it shouldn't be intimidating because there's, you know, training that's involved. Um, and really, it's just all about, um, you know, s being in in that space and meeting kids where they are, um, getting down on the floor with them and playing with them. And, you know, it really is a lot more of a one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Um, and, and the kids who come there, all of them also have a one-on-one -on -one that knows that child really, really well. And so you're really, as a sensory room volunteer, just helping kind of facilitate the room and you know, be an extra, an extra body <laughs> there, and an extra person to, to love on those kids. So yeah, it's been great. <laughs> well, we appreciate just the way that you have championed this um, for Third Church and for so many families. And could we, uh, could I ask you to close with just a blessing for, um, yeah, for this month? As sure. Yeah, sounds good. Dear Lord, we come to you at the end of this um, meeting together, and we're just um, we just stand in awe of all that you um, have created and all that you are doing in the lives of the kids and families here at Third Church and in the in in the area and in the region. Um, we thank you so much for creating us all so unique and so differently that we can all. Um, enjoy each other and enjoy your creation from a different vantage point. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to soften our hearts to be able to recognize and appreciate the differences that you have um, created in all of us. Um, please bless the kids who um, come into this 
into this building and bless the parents who um, and the other adults who um, are doing their very best to raise them. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being yeah. here today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> the Sensory Room at Third Church has been referenced multiple times throughout this podcast. And just so you know, if you are listening and you have a child that you wonder if the sensory room would be a good place for them to land on Sunday mornings, if you've just noticed that they are some sensory, some they have some strong sensory preferences, that can be indicated on the registration form. And if you are a student or a parent who's listening that thinks, oh, this is a ministry that I would love to check out and maybe do some shadowing to see if it's a good fit for me, you can contact Lindsay Phillips at lindsayp at trcpella.com. There's also other information about the sensory room on our website as well. Thank you for joining us for this T3 Family Podcast. We hope it's been a blessing for you and your family.